It's the Americhicks with Kim Munson. The most important stories. That seems to me like government is establishing a religion. The latest in politics and world affairs. If you give people rights, women's rights, gay rights, whatever, there can't be equal rights if there's special rights. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Surveys show that, that people still really prefer freedom versus force. It's the Americhicks dissecting issues as right versus wrong. Instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. I am Kim Munson, and happy Tuesday. We have a fabulous show planned for you today. A thrill to have in studio with me my good friend Ben Martin. We're going to talk about the Federalist Papers. Good morning. Happy to be here. Yeah, we're going to talk about a really important part of the Federalist Papers, what I consider the nexus of the Federalist Papers. And uh, looking forward to doing that in the second half of the show. You you got it. And I want to say thank you to the Harris family for underwriting our Federalist Papers show. Uh, they have a real heart for the whole American idea. They're good friends. And I just want to say thank you to them. That's thank you to the Harris family. So we're going to jump in here. We said uh, coming into the show that uh, surveys show that freedom, or that, that Americans like freedom. Uh, but we are seeing uh, this movement, this narrative, uh, the, which, which is romanticizing socialism. And the questions as we look at these issues is freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And socialism ultimately has to come down to force. And we're seeing that movement here in Colorado, and we're going to be talking about that uh, as we go through some headlines. But several things I want to make sure that you have on your radar. And that is, first of all, speaking of freedom versus force, force versus freedom, one of the first things that we have to do is we have to turn the money spigot off. And uh, we are seeing a movement that is going to try to uh, open up that spigot. And uh, if these politicians and bureaucrats and... Um, Interested parties, I call them PBIs. If uh, if they don't have to be accountable to us for the money that they they spend, Ben, then uh, we're off to the races. And so, one of the things that is protecting Coloradans is uh, several things: uh, the Gallagher Amendment, which is uh, keeping property taxes in check between residential and commercial. And then, of course, Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, which uh, basically it just says to PBIs, uh, uh, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties, hey, if you want to raise our taxes, if you want to incur debt that we have to pay off, or if you want to keep our tax refunds above, and we'll, we'll give you growth, we'll give you population plus inflation, but any of uh, the refunds above that, you have to ask us. It's just all about good manners. And uh, so, my friends, you need to step up to the plate because there is going to be an assault. We've got uh, probably Proposition CC that is going to be on the ballot on your local level. We've got uh, some uh, detabering out in Jefferson County. We're looking at uh, the other metro area counties as well. Uh, we'll be doing a voter's guide as soon as we can get that done for you all when we know it's going to be on the ballot. Uh, but Natalie Minton is ahead of the curve on this, and she has um, got some boot camps to train people on protecting Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. The next one's going to be on Saturday, September 14th at the Lone Tree Library in Lone Tree at the Lone Tree Library Event Hall. That address is 10055 Library Way. The training starts at 11. You need to check in by 1030. Uh, you'll be done for sure by 3. Cost is $20. For more information on that, go to coloradoengaged.com. That's coloradoengaged.com. 
Uh, next, I want to say thank you to a new sponsor. We will be working up the uh, the spots probably today and tomorrow. But Lauren Levy with Polygon, he is uh, he is uh, in the mortgage business, and I'm just absolutely thrilled to have Lauren join me as a uh, a partner and a sponsor. And all of my sponsors that you hear on the show, uh, I'm a true entrepreneur because I buy my time for my radio shows, which means that we get to produce everything. It also means that we get to, to work with our sponsors uh, and, and sell our advertising. So if you are interested in being a partner, I have just a few spots left. Uh, I would love to uh, chat with you about that. I highly recommend everyone that you hear, uh, 88 Drive-In Theater and Karen Levine with Remax Alliance and, and uh, all of these great sponsors. I, uh, I highly recommend them, and I'm very grateful to have Lauren Levy join us. And, of course, we'll be talking with Jason McBride at the half hour. Uh, with uh, presidential wealth management. Uh, so that's very important. Another thing that's cool is uh, U.S. Constitution Week. Grand Lake, Colorado, you probably know this, Ben. They, I think they're the only city in the country that has a whole week that's dedicated to the Constitution, which that's near and dear to your heart. Yes, it is. And uh, so that will be starting, I think it's September 16th. Uh, Dr. Tom Cranawinter will be kicking it off. And then I'm on the bookend on the other end. I get to emcee the main event. Uh, and then the, the um, keynote speaker is Kevin Sorbo. And when I was talking to Tom Goodfellow, who is the kind of the head guy organizing everything up there at Grand Lake, uh, there's a fabulous parade. It's such a, it's a taste of Americana. That's on Saturday. And he said, Kim, I think we're going to put you in the car with Kevin Sorbo. I'm oh. like, great. So, you know, because, you know, he's Hercules. Yes. And uh, so excited about that. Then Saturday night, big, big, beautiful fireworks over the lake. So for more information on that, go to GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. That's GrandLakeUSConstitutionWeek.com. Okay. Oh, uh, Maybe I, we need to see how Kevin feels about that. <laughs> <sighs> I cannot believe you just said that. Well, oh, just, my gosh. I mean, being good hosts and everything like that, we, we don't want to throw something at him that might, you know, throw him for a curve. I'd... I am triggered and offended by what you just said, Producer Steve. <laughs> and I was just getting ready to say thank you to Producer Steve. Well, but you know what? I think I'm going to save that for another day. But I'm going to okay. say thank you to Zach, Patty, Keith, and Charlie for their good work. And uh, thank you to all my listeners out there. I so greatly appreciate you. Thank you for the text that you send during the show. And uh, each of you, you're valued, you're treasured, you have a purpose. And so go out and do that. And actually, I do, I do appreciate you, Steve. Uh, I know, I know Kevin will be thrilled. I'm sure. I'm all sure. Right. So, okay, our quote for today. I open my mouth to change feet. To, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard that one. I love that. Okay, so because we are talking about the Federalist Papers and because Ben Martin is in studio, uh, our inspiration for today is from Alexander Hamilton and Federalist Number 1. He says, in politics, as in religion, it is equally absurd to aim at making proselytes by fire and sword. Heresies in either can rarely be cured by persecution. And what that meant to me, Ben, is that we need to make sure that we get our brains around these ideas so that we can converse and influence and persuade people instead of hitting them over the head with force. That's exactly right. And they talk about that. They talk about that in 51, too. We talk about politics. And we also talk about religion because religion was such an important part of the founding of the people that came over and founded it 
and settled here in America. They were looking for religious freedom. They wanted to get away from the old world, and they found it over here. And it's, it's, in, it's inherent in our Constitution, in our Bill of Rights. Well, I thought that was great for today. It's so. great. You're exactly right. But okay. it's right there in what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about it. So, Okay, Steve. It's funny's time. Uh, this is a spoiler alert. This is a good one. Okay. <laughs> a thief implying that some mornings they're not? My gosh. Carry, carry on here. <laughs> okay. Let us hear it. Okay. A thief stuck a pistol in a man's ribs and said, give me your money. The gentleman, shocked by the sudden attack, said, you could not do this. I'm a Colorado Boulder Democrat. And the thief said, in that case, give me my money. <laughs> that is good. Okay, I want to get into some of these headlines. Very important. Uh, in the second segment, uh, you know, one of the things the founders was very concerned about was a monarchy. And uh, by the recent act, well, we're just going to keep that as a teaser. We're going to go to some of these other headlines very quickly. So I'm going to run through these. Let's see here where I'm going, 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 going. And, um, okay, first thing, a study... From the center square, gives Colorado high, the highway system a poor ranking. It received a negative overall ranking in part because the state has some of the worst rural interstate pavement conditions in the country, according to a recent report. The Reason Foundation, a libertarian research organization, ranked Colorado's highway performance and cost effectiveness. Get that. Cost effectiveness. Did you hear that? That means that people are spending our money appropriately. 36th in the nation. The state's overall ranking slipped five spots from last year's ranking. And uh, I, uh, I, I can see PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties using this, saying we need more of your money so that we can take care of the rural system. But we've had Rick, Rick Turnquist on the show. He is dissecting the budget. And we don't have a revenue problem. We have a priority problem. And this should be a priority and it has not been. And uh, so I wanted to let you know that they're going to spin that to try to get rid of Tabor and to keep more of your money. And we're, we're going to fight and not let them do that. Next thing, uh, you know, we uh, continue to talk about freedom of mobility. The fact that Peter, if people can travel around in the vehicle of their choice, they can thrive and flourish. And uh, so the PBIs, politicians, bureaucrats, and interested parties wring their hands and say, oh, my gosh, we have too much congestion. And so, uh, you know, so what do they do? Denver Public Works, this is from the Denverite, turned 14 uh, parking spots, car parking spots, into dozens of spaces for bikes and scooters. So people who bike and scoot around this city may find it a little easier to park their rides now that the Denver Public Works has repurposed 14 on-street parking spots for 14 clusters of bike racks. The goal is to provide more parking for non-drivers on streets where bicyclists often have to lock up at parking meters or street signs in lieu of a rack. The corrals may also encourage people to park e-scooters somewhere other than the sidewalk. So, Steve, what do you think about that one? Here we go again. Uh, Another day, another methodology, but, you know, it, it... in the same vein as taking established lanes of traffic and converting them to bicycle lanes, you know, they've just found another ways to 
ensnare or cause issues and congestion with motor vehicles. So again, well, then the motor vehicles have to go seems to be the flip side of, of what they're actually saying here. I, yep. I think they're connected. Yeah. The, and, and it, once again, it's, uh, it's not looking at market forces um, because if, if you have all these cars that are coming downtown, they're going to need a place to park. And so instead, they're trying to force people onto bikes and scooters. And uh, they're doing this via policy. Uh, you know, ultimately, what's going to happen is people are going to vote with their cars and, and they're going to start to leave Denver. I really think that's going to happen. Next thing, though, so in, when you're uh, doing all these things to, to stifle the middle class, to stifle people's mobility, to be able to move around, uh, then you've got to pick win- winners and losers. So Fox Business reported that Colorado Economic Development Commission, and whenever you hear the word commission, that means administrative state. This means this is unelected people making decisions. So the Colorado Economic Development Commission agreed last Thursday to offer a whopping $24.8 million in tax incentives in the hopes of convincing an unidentified bioscience company to open a campus in Boulder and create 1,000 high-paying jobs, according to Opens a New Window uh, in, in the Denver Business Journal. Uh, can uh, Once again, this is government that is picking winners and losers. If it is saying to this company that they're trying to lure here to channel my friend Helen Raleigh, government doesn't give anything. They just take less from someone than the other. So in this case, they're saying, hey, big company, if you agree to come here, we're going to take less of the, um, the tax money that uh, we require from everybody else. And uh, that is totally antithetical to the American idea. It's totally antithetical to free and fair markets. And, uh, and uh, so instead of having government um, out there to make sure they're uh, protecting everybody's rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, meaning that to go after their, you know, their jobs, their, to be industrious, create their businesses – they are saying, hey, big business, we're going to give you a break. So to that point, Steve, uh, big business and big government like each other. And at this particular point in time, you know, we have a Democrat governor, a Democrat House, and a Democrat uh, Senate right here in Colorado. And so this idea that uh, Democrats are for the little guy, I think you can just look at this right here and say, ah, I don't think so. Flesh that out for the simple-minded, like your producer. Uh, <laughs> So in a given time, not necessarily a year, but say five years, ten years, are they saying that Company X would be exempt from $25 million worth of taxation? Ultimately, yes. Uh, so each of these, in order for the, uh, the people that are paid with the Colorado Economic Development Commission, they structure these things differently. You know, it may be, uh, you know, a, a reduction in variety of taxes, maybe business, personal property tax. Um, you know, maybe they might get, um, they might actually get incentives from the state to them. I mean, they're all structured a little differently. But ultimately what you're saying is, is that they, yes, they're going to get somehow $25 million shaved off of what they would have to pay ultimately uh, so that they come to Colorado. Of course, the, then the whole deal is, is then they say, well, you have to create X amount of jobs and they have to pay X, X. Well, is that the proper role of government, first of all? And what we have seen many times is down the road, 
these incentives might have been given up front, and then those companies may go someplace else. And who's actually going to make sure that this happens? And uh, so once again, this is not the proper role of government. And when we're going, we're going to go to, oh, oh my gosh, it's 617. We're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, unfortunately, our founder, well, fortunately, our founders thought that we should have a republic, a constitutional republic, not a monarchy. But you know what? I'm going to submit to you that maybe we're headed towards a monarchy right here in Colorado. We'll be right back. Looking for an awesome place to host your draft party? Look no further than Hooters. With tons of TVs, free Wi-Fi, world-famous wings, and ice-cold beer, you're probably thinking, it doesn't get any better than that. But wait, at Hooters, it does. Every fantasy league gets a free draft kit and over $200 in Hooters swag. Join us for fantasy football done Hooter style. Book now at Hooters.com slash football. That's Hooters.com slash football. See you at Hooters. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. All Americhicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the Americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Americhicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at Americhicks.com. That's Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And just very quickly, I wanted to, I was highlighting some of my sponsors. Uh, Karen Levine with uh, Remax Alliance, 88 Drive-In Theater. Water's Edge Winery was uh, there last night for Vino and Veritas. Awesome. Liberty Toastmasters, First American State Bank, Presidential Wealth Management, Liberty Oil Field Services, uh, and the Harris family. And Hooters, I met uh, somebody for lunch last week, and they have something new. They have chicken chips, and they are totally delicious, Steve. They are absolutely delicious. So be sure and go to Hooters and, and check that out. And it's the whole fantasy football thing that uh, I know a lot of people just love doing that. Um, you know, we're going through Vino and Veritas. Uh, last night was Vino and Veritas and Centennial, uh, and it's a study of the Federalist Papers, and so thrilled to have Ben Martin in studio with me to talk about to talk about that. Tonight is Vino and Veritas up in Fort Collins, and uh, on this last Sunday night was Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock. And I would highly encourage you to go to my website and sign up uh, for more information on Vino and Veritas. In September at the Castle Rock uh, Vino and Veritas, Dr. Cranowitter is going to be talking about slavery. And slavery is uh, something that is uh, it's a big discussion out there right now. It's important that you understand the whole, the whole picture. And uh, if you want to sign up for that, there's, I, can't, I can't remember what the, the uh, cover charge is, and then you can just order you know, what you want to eat and drink and pay for that. But that's going to be at the uh, Vino and Veritas in Castle Rock, and I would highly recommend that you attend that because it's going to be really important. In the Federalist Papers, Ben Martin, yes, one of the things that they wanted to, they went through all these, they thought about all these different kinds of governments, and uh, they talked about a monarchy. And that's where you have a, uh, a, a you know, a, a king, if you will, that is just by, by fiat, is making decisions. 
about things. And Steve, I know that your blood pressure was up a little bit this morning when you saw this headline that Patty had pulled off here, that Governor Polis has signed an executive order. And go to Senator Kevin Lundberg's um, website as well because he has an excellent um, synopsis on here. He said that the governor of Colorado is so far out beyond Sanders uh, that it could make your head spin. He is not campaigning. He is governing, and his plan is not 100% carbon-free by 2050. No, his plan for Colorado is by 2040. Last Thursday, he issued an executive order reorganizing the Regional Air Quality Control Commission. Now, that's the one that I went down to make uh, public comments on regarding the electric vehicles within just the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, you know what? They weren't there when I went down to make uh, public comments during the time that they said that they wanted to hear what the public had to say. <clears throat> just had to throw that in. And it's revising its mission to include control of greenhouse gases and Governor Polis's roadmap to 100% renewable energy by 2040. This is what he said. This is, sounds so kingdomship to me. The council shall work with relevant state agencies, the Denver Regional Council of Governments, the North Front Range Metropolitan Planning Organization, municipal and county governments, businesses, industry representatives, advocacy groups, and citizens to achieve these goals. In addition, the council shall coordinate its assessments and strategy development efforts with other air quality initiatives, including Governor Polis's roadmap to 100% renewable energy by 2040 and bold climate action. The Colorado Climate Plan, the Colorado Electric Vehicle Plan, the Rocky Mountain National Park Nitrogen Deposition Reduction Plan, visibility improvement efforts for the state's national parks and wilderness areas, and other relevant planning documents. Now, I think this is one the one that really got you, Steve. And that is the fact that the governor can appoint up to 24 individuals to serve on the Regional Air Quality Council. And they will be joined by the executive director of uh, CDPHE and, and a variety of other things. I think that's the thing that when I came, I, I thought you were a little torqued about this. 24 unelected individuals. Um, no, it's, it's the way Patty stacks these stories, I, it occurred to me, and you're, I'm jumping kind of, Forgive me for jumping ahead here a little bit. The next story was about the Denver City Council Mm -hmm. pausing or postponing their carbon tax. And buried in there was... um, $8 million, wasn't it? Well, uh, the change of heart comes after Mayor Michael Hancock and the City Council announced a compromise bill that would create an Office of Climate Action, Sustainability, and Resilience. Both of these stories back-to-back just jumped out at me as like more government bigger government and unelected government their solution to everything more 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 so then i thought okay now what does this remind me of i was like let's go over to reagan's first inaugural speech quote government is not the solution to our problem government is the problem so what we have happening here in colorado is uh, we are so far out ahead uh, and let's go to uh, one of the national articles and uh, this was from Fox News. Senator Bernie Sanders upped his ante in his progressive agenda last Thursday when he signaled support for criminal charges against executives at oil companies. Fossil fuel executives should be criminally prosecuted for the destruction they have knowingly caused, Sanders tweeted. Let's stop right there. 
We're going to have Don Watkins on tomorrow in our health and hydrocarbon show. And fossil fuels have, uh, have brought us affordable, efficient, and reliable energy. And that is what has brought more people out of poverty. And he says that in third world countries, women many times spend much of their day going to get water and going to get fuel to, to collect sticks and uh, dung so that they can burn that, so that they can cook and keep their families uh, you know, warm. Well, that actually puts part, uh, particles up in the air. So that is uh, probably one of the, the worst things that you can do if you want to have clean air. And so what we have here is Bernie Sanders. You know, I think that we should turn, maybe turn this uh, around here. Let's just remember this, Steve, because if, in fact, they destroy the Colorado economy, like what I think is, is going to happen, and it's going to make it really difficult for everyday hardworking people to make a living, maybe we should be able to pull, uh, have criminal charges uh, on what they're doing. Uh, I guess I'm on a, a roll here. We, we want to get to uh, Federalist 51. Before we do that, Jason McBride, you were at Vino and Veritas last night. I certainly was, and, and I didn't run everybody off. It was amazing. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about your story of your $185,000 bottle of scotch. Yeah. I think we should have that as a teaser. You know, we're doing this really fun event, again, at Water's Edge Winery. And did you, did you have that Monte Cristo uh, sandwich or this the cousin of Monte Cristo that Chef D put together? Oh, the one uh, that Jan came on the air the other morning when I was in studio with you and described, and then both of us were drooling so bad we could barely speak. that That's the one. that was Just from the description. It, yes, I had one. It was fantastic. I, I did, too. So for our event that you and I are doing together on September 16th, Nuts and Bolts, I'm bringing in Jeff Hirsch from New York, a New Yorker. Oh, yeah. forget about it. Uh, it it's going to be a really great event. Uh, he's Everybody that attends is going to get a uh, Stock Traders Almanac. And uh, we're going to have, there's some questions that you have posed for him. And it'll be really informative. There's going to be some great nuggets of information for people's own financial well-being. And it's going to be a really fun evening. And I think you and I have to request that Chef D does that particular sandwich. All right. Well, I'll I'll leave that up to you since you're picking up the tab. You can uh, buy <laughs> well, whatever you want. Wait a minute. Know. I thought you were picking up the tab, Jason. <laughs> oh, well, no wonder you're so willing to suggest uh, the expensive dishes. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, really excited. That's going to be uh, really a lot of fun. That's uh, September 16th. Go to my website. You can sign up there or at our landing page that we have together, chickspresidential.com. And uh, reservations are coming in at a brisk pace, and uh, I would highly recommend that you go ahead and get signed up so that you're sure that you have a spot, because there unfortunately is limited room there. Yes, there is. And and you're right, Kim, this will be a a great event. Uh, Everybody's going to have a lot of fun. You know, I always try to... uh, make events that I put on like this. I've been doing them for years, and I think it's important, one, uh, that they're entertaining and fun, uh, but also that you learn something uh, that you can use without feeling like you're under some kind of sales pressure, which, uh, you know, guys like me, financial advisors, sometimes put on workshops, and you end up wishing you wouldn't have come because you get guilted. Oh, I have to make an appointment right away. Uh, This felt like I was just getting something shoved down my throat. Uh, Kim, it will not 
be like that, I promise. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun. And last night when you were telling your story about the $185,000 bottle of scotch, my friend that was um, sitting next to me, she leaned over, she goes, she goes, it's so nice to put a name and a face together. So uh, anyway, I thought that was really cool, Jason. So I'm very well, excited about you. that. Hey, is there anything else that uh, you want to make sure people know about this morning? Well, you know, I thought I would just point out once again that uh, uh, the trade war with China seems to be the main headline in the news. And, you know, it could get people really worried that, oh, it's really hurting our our markets, it's hurting our economies. I think this would be an, an interesting exercise, and almost anybody could do it. I mean, just pull up a, a chart of the S&P 500 that goes back, you know, at least a couple of years to the beginning of 2018, and compare that to a chart of the Chinese markets. And I think that will tell you all you need to know. I mean, Kim, our markets right now today are exactly the same as where they were when the first shot was fired about tariffs, the trade war, everything else. Now, you might say, well, that's not good. Our markets haven't gone up. But they have, they have held steady and retained you know, the, uh, the, all of the, the gains they've made since November of 2016, even with this, this trade war going on, uh, and I would invite you to look at how China's markets have held up. I mean, they're down about 25%, and that's after a little bit of a bounce recently. And it begs the question again, who's getting hurt more? Do they need us more than we need them? Uh, I know the answers that I feel to the questions, but it's just something to think about. And markets usually don't lie. So if you just kind of look at those two charts side by side, I think it tells a story of what's really going on. Okay, Jason, just a question. Is there any chance you could put those two charts uh, on our landing page at chickspresidential.com so people could just go directly there to see that? Is that possible? You know, uh, I could. Let me, uh, I can't, but I could probably ask Zach to do it. Okay. Because he's smarter than me on that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's, sure. he's really smart on that stuff. So, yeah, um, if, um, you know, let's talk about it tomorrow. But if you guys could get that up there, I think that that would just be really easy that people could go to chickspresidential.com and see it right there. I think that's a better idea than mine, of making people look it up themselves. That's why you run the show, and I'm a minion. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you immensely, Jason McBride. You have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We're going to get to Ben Martin here. Lots to go through. It always goes way too fast. Talking about the Federalist Papers, and thank you to the Harris family for underwriting this show. We'll be right back. Are you looking for news, not propaganda? Ready for a news source you can actually trust? How about a news site that doesn't want to sell you a subscription? Visit CompleteColorado.com to see all the latest news from around Colorado. Complete Colorado's staff scours news sources from around the state and nation to bring you only the top stories that affect you right here in our great state. Updated three times a day, CompleteColorado.com has full-time reporters doing original investigations and reporting like newspapers used to do, as well as opinion and political commentary from a variety of Colorado voices. And CompleteColorado.com is the only place to read columnist Mike Rosen. Always fresh content, always free, always informed. CompleteColorado.com, your complete source for Colorado news. 
Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. In Fort Collins, attend Vino and Veritas at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Presidential Wealth Management Loveland, Presidential Wealth Management Greenwood Village, Tina Francone with Straightforward Shooting, and Grand Lake U.S. Constitution Week for their generous support. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person, and children under 12 are free. Friday, August 23rd through Thursday, August 29th, features will include Angry Birds 2, The Lion King, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steam cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson. We are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. I am so thrilled to have in studio with me my good friend, Ben Martin. I'm happy to be here. You Very are, much, Kim. You're a former Army Ranger. Yes. And you are a patriotic historian. I hope to be. Yes, and I am. you have a love for the American idea. Yeah, as everyone should. <laughs> as everyone should. That's And that's, uh, you know, that's one of the things, and I've said said this the last few days, but... Um, when Dr. Cranawitter gave the presentation regarding slavery last month at uh, the Centennial Vino and Veritas, he didn't sugarcoat it. He explained what was happening. And you could have heard a pin drop. And then he went ahead and talked about these, the American idea that slavery was prevalent throughout history, throughout the world. And it wasn't until the Americans who came up with this, this philosophy, this idea that all men are created equal, that they have these rights that should be protected of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, that that created a problem with slavery. It did. And, uh, and so he talked about that, and Christy Whaley, my friend, came up afterwards, and she said, I have fallen in love with America all over again. Um, that's great. Everybody should. Once you learn, once you learn, you do fall in love. And that's why we're doing this show. Oh, that's right. So we've been uh, working through this, a conversation each month with Ben Martin on the Federalist Papers. Uh, where are we today? Well, this is a great part of the Federalist Papers. And we're at a critical junction in the study of our Federalist Papers here in the studio. After studying the first volume, which was called Union, and it consisted of the first three of this whole six parts of the Federalist Papers. We talked about the necessity of the Union first, then we talked about the deficiencies of government under the Articles of Confederation, and third, we, we need a government as energetic as the one proposed by the Convention, which is our proposed Constitution. So that was the first volume of the two volumes that Hamilton divided the Federalist Papers into, and the first three parts were in that, and the second three parts are in the second volume, which we started last 
at our last show. In our last session, we turned into the second volume, which is entitled The Merits of the Constitution and, a, and sometimes called The Conformity of the Proposed Constitution to the True Principles of the Republican Government. I think that's the one that's the more descriptive of it. So and so we ben, talk, talk... Well, Ben, just a question on that. So the volume one, which, what uh, numbers does that cover? It covers number one through 36. Okay. And then the second part obviously covers 37 through 85. Got it. Okay. And it's divided into three parts, just like the first part is. Uh, but the but really the one part that we're talking about that covers all of it, it most of it, is the is the first is number four part four which is about the conformity of the of our constitution or our government to the to true principles of republican government. Okay, I'm having a little trouble following. So okay. we have volumes well, um, and then we have parts. Right, is what you're talking right. about. Right, the, the volumes of the first two that were divided, and that was Hamilton's that was Hamilton's convention where he said, okay, we're going to put the first three parts into volume one, and then we're going to call that union. Okay. And then we're going to talk. Well, then we're going to put the th- next three parts of the whole six parts series. Got it. And we're going to put that in the second volume. And we're going to really call that, and what I think of the merits of the Constitution. First of all, you know, he established in the first part what we need in a Constitution, what's been wrong with our Constitution, the Articles of Confederation, mm-hmm. and then what we need. And he talks about that in general. And then the second part, we have this transition period, and that we, one that we talked about last our last session, and then what we're going to talk about here, where we talk about the general powers. But that whole second volume is about how the merits of the Constitution, how our Constitution really deserves to be considered is uh, the greatest Constitution in the world. You know, Ben, I think what you are just describing here is something that we all should learn from. And that is, first of all, these gentlemen, John Jay, James Madison, and Alexander Hamilton, who wrote the Federalist Papers, they, first of all, thought about what, the, what was wrong, the deficiencies of what they had. They understood that, and they explained that. We in America today, just instead of, the, we may inherently go, well, I don't think that's right. But you can't just say, I don't think that's right. You have to understand what that is so that then you can give the solution. Exactly. And we've moved away from, from uh, making sure that we understand those things. So this, That's what the Federalist Papers is all about, Kim. And it's relevant then, and it's relevant now. Oh, it's and that's the way they wrote it. Was it was uh, wasn't only addressing the issues that they were facing now, but they wrote it so that it could address the issues in the future too. And and that's that's what's so great about these people that got together and did this. They they fought and they argued to come to the right conclusions. If you look at what the proposals were when they first went into the convention, and what the con- what came out at the end at the Constitution at the Constitution at the end of the Constitutional Convention, there's a world of difference between them uh, because people worked on that and they decided, they fought and to to get to the right, what they thought were the right solutions. And they've turned out to be because it's the longest running cons- written constitution in the history of the world. So I need to interject something here. And that is here, this is in today in Colorado. Yesterday, a report was issued by uh, an organization called Building a Better Colorado. And uh, it uh, has used, it's used something that's called the Delphi Technique. And they've brought people in. They chose them. And they, uh, you had to be invited to be part of this group. And it is, it, the Delphi technique is a, a technique that basically you make people think that you are listening to what they have to say when there is actually a pretty much a predetermined outcome. 
And what this is going to be used for is then to try to get rid of TABOR, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. And that is so totally different than what you were describing. You had men that had ideals in mind and to try to figure out how people could thrive and flourish. And they came to deliberate about that and come up with something instead of some predetermined outcome. And that is the big difference from what we're seeing in Colorado today and the founding of America. Well, and it's true. And But they also, those people, besides having the great ideas and the great knowledge of what history had taught them, they also had interest, too. They had self-interest as as Benjamin Franklin famously reported at the end of the Constitutional Convention. But they brought them together, and what they came to realize was that we have to do things for the general welfare, for the general good. We can't just do things for, and for our own interest. Because if we do things for our own interest, we'll do just like what you were talking about before. When you have special interests, that means you have to take away from somebody else's interest. And so they, they all had interest and they brought them together. And then they said they put these interests together and they said, well, we have to satisfy these interests and, and still look. And they have to be in the interest of the general welfare. Mm-hmm. So they have to be good for everybody. They can't just be good for Massachusetts or Virginia or South Carolina, they have to be good for everybody. And, and, and the other thing that they did once they did that, George Washington said, hey, when we do this Constitution, we're not sending it to the states. And he, he sent that back to the Congress. And he said, don't send it to the states and have the state legislatures do this. This has to be by conventions within the states and not of the legislature, but of the people. And and that's why our Constitution was universally accepted by, by all of the people, and it still is. It starts with we the people. We the people. Okay. And that's really good. And so let me just... You, you know what? Let's do this. Let's go to break so that this next um, uh, segment can be longer so that we don't interrupt you because we're going to jump in. And so let's do that really quickly, Steve, uh, because we want to say thank you to our sponsors, and then we'll be right back with Ben Martin. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Karen Levine believes in homeownership. Because of Karen's love of dogs, Karen volunteers with GUR, Golden Retriever Rescue of the Rockies, helping Golden Retrievers find their forever homes. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Social media is important to the Americhicks since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back. I am Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And we are having a conversation with Ben Martin, my good friend, former Army Ranger, and uh, he is a patriotic historian, expert on the founding, expert on the Federalist Papers, 
Okay, let's jump in here. We've got a we've got important information to share. Yes, we do. Well, we're talking now. When we got to the second volume here, we talked in the first two sections of the second volume. We talked about in this thing. We we talked about the delicate work of the con, of the convention, and then the general form of the proposed constitution. That, and then we talked about the quantity of the general mass of powers in the new constitution. So that's where we were. So we took, took from the first volume and we turned towards, we started turning towards the constitution. So these parts were the inflection part. Those two sections were the inflection in the Federalist Papers. And then we turn to this, this section now, which is the separation of powers. And I look at this as the nexus. The real important point, a nexus is defined in the dictionary, is a connection between two or more parts. And so these two parts are brought together by this. Because after we finish this segment, we're going to go to the specific parts of government, and we're going to describe those in in more detail. And so that's why I call it. So this thing, when we get to this section and we get to the last part of the section, because this section is like all the other sections, if you read the Federalist Papers, it starts off the first Federalist paper in this section has an introduction to the section. And then the last part of the the last paper in this section, as in all the other sections, is kind of a conclusion or a summary of what we've talked about in this section. And that last part, that last paper is uh, is 51, which I look at as, if not the most important, at least one of the most important. But I think of it as the important. And that is really the... the nexus, nexus of the okay. Federalist Papers, because it reaches all the way back to the first sections and the first part, and then the 9 and 10 especially, and then it goes all the way through because it refers back back to them, and then it goes forward and it projects to the different parts of the Constitution and the individual parts, and that's when specificity comes into play. Okay. So if we look at that, so we, we have those, and so we start with number 47, and as they always do in the Federalist Papers, they're looking at the objections and what the people are thinking when they're writing the Federalist Papers. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking at, okay, what are the objections to the, our, our Constitution? Mm-hmm. And 47 starts that off, and it says, the big objection, and that's the one that Madison addresses, he says the big objection that the most respectable people have, the most respectable anti-Federalist, is that we, our federal our constitution in the the parts of the constitution the parts of government the departments of government the legislative the executive and the judicial are not totally separate and distinct and it's, and they you know put their fist down on the table and say that's what that's what montesquieu said mm-hmm. we have to do that and the way our way Publius does that in this in this case Madison is Publius, and they always go okay. Let's go back and look exactly what Montesquieu said. And Montesquieu didn't say that it had to be totally separate and distinct. And so he makes that argument in there, and then he uses the words of Montesquieu in the second in that in that argument mm-hmm. back to them. And he says, this is Montesquieu, uh, Montesquieu's maxim about they had the parts had to be separate and distinct. And then he uses his own words and he goes, goes back and he says, this did not mean that the part that the departments had to be and have no partial agency in or no control over the acts of each other. His meaning, and this is a quote, as his 
own words import can amount no, to no more than this, that where the whole power of one department is ex- exercised by the same hands which possess the whole power of another department, the fundamental principle to a free constitution are subverted. Okay, I have to comment, and I know Steve is uh, probably thinking the same thing. What you just said, and when you, what you look at what uh, Governor Polis just did with this executive order right here in Colorado regarding saying that Colorado, Colorado is going to be a total renewable, 100% renewable by 2040, and he has put in place 24 unelected bureaucrats, that is a direct affront to the Constitution it is actually, of the United States. It is exactly that. It is, okay. a, it is exactly that. And so what he, what he says there was in 47, he says, no, Montesquieu, the, the guy that we quote most, that our founders quoted most while they were doing the Constitution, said Montesquieu didn't say that it had to be totally separate and distinct. And so then... After that, that's 47. That's the first one we were introduced at. He goes into 48, which is next. And in that one, it's a total turnaround where, Mon- where Montesquieu and, the, and our, our founders say that the maxim requires, he says, the control over the others, the degree of separation with the maxim requires as essential to free government can never in practice be duly maintained if we if we do, if we separate the departments so much that they are not connected at all and blended as to give each a constitutional control over the others and if not we don't do that then the degree of separation can never be satisfy the free government's uh, criteria and then he also talks about in there about parchment barriers which we will talk about more in 51 or written provisions of the Constitution, they are not adequate to, to maintain this separation. So then they go into 49 and 50, and they say, well, okay, let's look at some other things that have been proposed. And these have been proposed by Thomas Jefferson, who is far off in France right now. And he says, well, you know, one of the things that could maintain the separation is that if we have conventions, uh, we appeal to the people every so often or any time uh, some kind of subject arises where we think that the Constitution is not being followed precisely. And he says, so we can have these these conventions of the people. And so what they say there is that's, that uh, that is we can't do that because every appeal to the people would carry an implication of some defect in the government. Frequent appeals would in great measure deprive the government of that veneration which time bestows on everything and without which perhaps the wisest and freest governments would not possess the requisite stability. And so that's how he says, you know, we can't go back to the people every time we have a problem because that would say that our Constitution is really not adequate. And so it would just really kind of discredit it almost. That's exactly what it said. And then it wouldn't wouldn't bestow that stability Mm -hmm. that that time would possess. So that's 49 and 50 now that he talks about. And those are the ones where Jefferson's – so Jefferson being the person that he is – People have to look at that, you know, and he, they, we have to refute that because he represents Virginia, too, which sure. is our, the biggest state at the time, the, the most powerful of the states. So then in the remainder, he goes into 51, and that says the first 
sentence provides a convenient point of departure for understanding the essays in this part of the Federalist Papers. That's 47 through 51 all devoted to the principle of separation of powers. In this sentence, Publius asked, then because of all these things, to what, ex- to what expedient then shall we finally resort for maintaining the practice, the, the, nece- the necessary partition of powers among the several departments as laid down in the Constitution? And then in the remainder of 51, he answers that question. And, he, and I'm going to use his famous quotes to summarize these answers. The first answer, the answer, uh, see, it, these answers are in sequence as they appear in, the, in uh, Essay 51. The only answer that can be given to that question is that all powers, these ex- exterior powers, these provisions are found to be inadequate. These exterior provisions, provisions are found to be inadequate for the defect which must be supplied. So by so contriving the interior structure of the government as that is in the several con- constituent parts may by their mutual relations be the means of keeping each other in their proper places. So he says these exterior provisions that we've been talking about in these parchment barriers, they don't do it. So we have to contrive the interior sections, mm-hmm. and it's their mutual relationship that he's talking about. So then he goes on to say, The great security against the gradual concentration of the several powers in the same departments consists in giving to those who administer each department the necessary constitutional means and the personal motives. That's really important to resist encroachments of the others. The provision for defense must in this, as in all other cases, be commensurate to the danger of attacks. Now, that's a theme that's repeated throughout the Federalist Papers, that it, the, any, the, any powers that you have for resistance must be equal, commensurate to the dangers of attack. Okay. Okay. So, so we have about three minutes. So we're going to go to the three minutes. So I'm going to talk about some of the things in here that, again, ambition must be made to counteract ambition. The interest of the man must be connected to the constitutional rights of the place. It may be a reflection on human nature that such devices would be necessary to control the abuses of government. But what is government itself but the greatest of all reflections on human nature? And he's saying that that's a, that's a reflection on human nature. And human nature, a reflection, is a pejorative. It, it, it has a connotation of, of being a negative when you talk about reflection. And he says if, so he says that because human nature is flawed, we have to have government. Because otherwise, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were government, to govern men, neither external nor internal controls on government would be necessary. And so he's talking about those things, and then he goes on, in framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. And a dependence on the people is no doubt the primary control on the government, but experiences taught mankind the necessity of the auxiliary precautions. So we have those, and then then he goes on. There are means when he go, we goes back to nine, where nine and ten, where he really talks about those different 
those different auxiliary precautions. And he says, you know, these are the means and powerful means. This is a great, this is a great quote from that, by which the excellence of Republican government can be retained and the imperfections lessened or avoided. And then he goes through those things. He talks about the, the difference of, of the, the different things. And he talks about federalism in that. And he says, in a compound republic of America, the power surrendered by the people is first divided between two distinct governments, the state and the federal. Then the proportions allotted to each subdivided um, among distinct and separate departments, which is the separation of powers. Hence, a double security arises to the rights of the people. Oh my gosh, Ben Martin, that is amazing. So we're we're through fifty one now, and uh, so next, will you come back next month? I will. We'll yes. continue on with that then, and we'll talk about the first part is the legislative okay. branch that we'll talk about. Fantastic! It's always great to have you here. Thank you. Okay, so our quote for today, Alexander Hamilton, is from seventeen seventy five. It's from the the farmer refuted, and it, uh, Hamilton says, "A fondness for power is implanted in most men." And it is natural to abuse it when acquired. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. <laughs>